Hello and welcome to Unbossed. I'm really vibing on that intro. I haven't said that in a while. And I'm thinking if you are the doer of the deed, keep going. That stuck out for me. We got Action Jackson in the house today. Jackson, oh yeah. What are you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Like I was telling you, I'm here in St. Louis with my family. I got my nieces coming over later, so it's been good. I'm feeling the holiday cheer all around me. So it's good to be here with you today. That is a beautiful thing, and I am so glad that you are here, and it's always good to be with the family. And so today, Jackson and I are going to talk about, we're gonna break down this omnibus bill. Some of us have been calling it the ominous bill. Dark money donors, giveaways to the rich, and forgetting about doing something to help people who own cannabis businesses. We got you covered on this whole thing. And then Wells Fargo got hit with a $3.7 billion fine, although it is not the first time. And finally, the Taliban is once again placing limitations on women. Now, don't you forget to subscribe, to share the stream, and to share your comments with us. You know that is absolutely my favorite part of the show, is when the viewers like you share what you're feeling, what you're thinking. All right, so you got time to do that before our, our first break. The omnibus bill is 4,155 pages, and what's in it and what's not has me going WTF, neoliberals. We will now kneel. Miss Cinema, Miss Cinema, no. You have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, and you ain't black. We doing a triple threat today with the WTF neoliberal and it's all about the omnibus bill. Fourth, over 4,000 pages, as I mentioned earlier, a whole bunch of stuff is not getting done for the regular everyday people of this country. The 11th hour, once again, Congress waits until all types of backs are against the wall in terms of preventing a government shutdown. They do this on a regular basis. And I declare to you that if this was any other position, any other arena as employees, as workers, we would not be able to get away with always waiting until the 11th hour. Would not, but only in Congress is dysfunctional as hell. So let's put up this headline, Congress still protecting dark money. This is where we're gonna start off with this omnibus bill. Congress still protecting dark money donors, a series of measures in Congress's annual omnibus bill, spending bill, show that Democrats have given up their fight to end dark money era. And this is coming from Andrew. Andrew, thank you over there at the lever. As part of its year in omnibus spending, Congress will once again help dark money donors hide their identities from the public and ensure the government cannot crack down on dark money nonprofits that spend the bulk of their revenue on politics. Because guess what? They don't want what's done in the dark to come to the light, it is very obvious. Andrew goes on with Republicans set to take over the House in January. Democratic lawmakers are throwing in the towel on an effort to end the political dark money era. Provisions in the $1.7 trillion spending bill, which is often used as a vehicle to enact controversial measures because it funds critical government operations, will prohibit the Biden administration's officials from doing much, if anything, to regulate dark money groups on their own for the rest of his first term. So let me go ahead and dress that up for you. 
They put a whole bunch of stuff in there that some people might not want with a whole bunch of stuff that people do want. And because you can't, those things, those items are not teased out. You end up as a member of Congress trying to make a decision. Do you vote for what is in there that may benefit your district or the greater good? Or do you vote against it because there's so much bad? It is absolutely, in some cases, a very hard decision to make. The other point here, let me dress this up for you. They can't do this now because the Republicans are gonna take over next year. But they had two years to get some stuff done. So this is another example of we're gonna pretend like we wanna get this stuff done, then we really can't get this stuff done. Now we're gonna have a divided Congress with the Republicans controlling the House and the Democrats controlling the Senate. And guess what? Both parties are gonna make all kinds of excuses about why they cannot deliver for the American people. Jackson, I tell you, I got higher expectations for my two toddlers. Well, that, well, that that's not a that's not a bad bet right there. That's definitely not bad speculation betting on your toddlers over the Congress because, you know, we have to keep in mind and what we point out all the time is the reality is that you know the system set that is just thrives on dark money and corporate bribery. It's really not of uh, interest for any of these corporate funded politicians to cut off the tap. It'd be like cutting off the tap water in the middle of the desert. And you know, even though the Republicans aren't really set to take over until the new year comes in, this is still gonna be a convenient excuse for corporate Democrats to say, "Oh, well, we tried, but the pressure was too high. It was coming down to it and we had to keep the government open. So ultimately the answer is you know, to replace politicians who depend on this type of dark money with politicians who don't. Because squeezed into the omnibus bill was basically provisions that don't allow the SEC, the IRS or the executive branch to really do anything about taxing or forcing companies to reveal their dark money donations, which is completely arbitrary. But again, it's a system filled with people who thrive off of that system and that's what we got to change. There it is, and asking them to fix the system, it doesn't make sense. It's like the you know, fox garden, the hen house, and you're right, Jackson, we do have to elect officials who do not depend on that kind of money so that they'd be willing to make the change. And it's, it's maddening, You know, part of this article really pointed out that the Democrats are quote unquote throwing in the towel. This is a maddening concept. Because power is meant to be used, not squandered, and they squandered it for two years. Why is it that the Democrats are always willing, ready, and able to throw in the damn towel? Republicans don't throw in the towel, they fight to the bitter end. But Democrats, baby, they got that towel on each one of their desks. They ready at, at a moment's notice to throw it in instead of fighting for the people. So, you know, we recently covered a guy by the name of Leonard Leo, for example, and he steered over a billion dollars in dark money towards offices he wanted conservatives to control. He and the people who gave him all of this money, including helping to select three of the new Supreme Court justices. Let's put this up. Democrat surrender on dark money comes after several failed legislative efforts to compel politically active nonprofits to disclose their donors. Ever since the Supreme Court's 2010 Citizens United decision allowed anonymous donations to flow into elections, both parties have become increasingly reliant on dark pools of cash to fund TV ad wars over presidential elections, congressional races, and even judicial confirmation campaigns. The situation allows ultra wealthy 
mystery donors to exert unprecedented influence in Washington. In other words, the invisible hands of the oligarchs are in absolute control. And in some cases, not so invisible, but we do know that the oligarchs are in full control. Bolded, underlined, exclamation point. This is no secret. And for them to do this in this particular moment while we're dealing with this particular bill, but this is how it goes. This is where we are, and it is a sad place to be. Let's put up this headline inside the rights historic billion dollar money transfer. This is going back to this Leo person. Industrious Bar Seed funded a new dark money group run by Trump judicial advisor Leonard Leo, who helped eliminate federal abortion rights. These Republicans are on it in terms of they play the long game. They are playing for keeps and they raise this kind of money because Citizens United allows these folks to be under the cloak of night, the cloak of darkness. While they are spreading all kinds of mayhem and mischief. Look what just happened with the United States Supreme Court. A whole bunch of right wingers are in control. Hence, we lost Roe v. Wade. Hence, a whole bunch of stuff is up in the air because those folks are there. And so people like Leo, this is what they do. So Citizens United, not just because of this dude, but for a whole host of reasons, needs to be overturned. And this Congress need to grow a pair, a whole bunch. They need to get some intestinal fortitude. But you know, Jackson, as you pointed out, because they benefit, the corporatist Democrats benefit, the corporatist Republicans benefit, we are hard pressed until we get a new set of elected leaders in that Congress to do away with this dark money. So now, although Democrats have made several attempts to pass campaign finance reform measures, they refuse to use the most potent tool in their toolbox, which is eliminating or reforming, you guessed it, the filibuster. This makes one wonder really how serious are they in doing away with dark money. There are riders in the omnibus bill to protect dark money. So this is where we are right now. Let's put this up. One rider once again bars the Securities and Exchange Commission, as Jackson mentioned previously, from spending any funds to establish or implement any rules requiring companies to disclose their donations to political groups and politically active nonprofits as well as payments to lobbying groups. So there we have it, under the cloak of darkness, these people are gonna keep doing this stuff. We, the people at some point, gotta gotta come to grips with whether or not we are being complicit in our own demise. Many of these elected officials only care about the owner donor class and that is it. You ask me why I say that over and over again, follow the money. You ask me why I say that over and over again, follow the policy. This ain't a mystery what these folks stand for and what they do not stand for, and whose side they really are on. America, we gotta wake up and come together, the 98% of us, or some people might say the 99. We're gonna keep on watching this stuff and keep on pushing. Oh, part two of the WTF neoliberals, a giveaway to the rich. Stop me if you heard this before, but the rich are getting richer. This time, rich retirees are getting more benefits and tax breaks. Let's take a look at this article from Common Dreams. Progressive slam omnibus retirement provision as giveaway to the rich. What else is new? What else is new? You know what? I'm tired of singing the same sad song, but we're going to keep it up. The retirement changes in the omnibus package overwhelmingly benefit wealthy people while doing almost 
nothing for the people who truly struggle to save for retirement, said one advocate. And this is coming from Common Dreams. These provisions are part of the Secure 2.0 Act. And, and here it is. So what is the Secure 2.0 Act? So glad that you asked. Requiring automatic 401k enrollments, increasing required minimum distribution age from 72 to 73 in 2023, and then 75 in 2033. Bigger catch up contributions for older retirement savers, broadening employer 401k match options. Now that all sounds fine and dandy. But it's nothing more than political spin. The EARN Act and SECURE Act 2.0, two bipartisan retirement bills working their way through Congress are major disappointments. They would mainly provide more tax breaks for the well off who will most likely retire comfortably regardless of what policies Congress enacts. Already the top 40% of taxpayers receive 87% voted underlined Underscore message in the bottle, 87% of the tax benefits for retirement savings. So Jackson, here we are once again, the haves keep getting and the have nots keep getting run over by the bus over and over well, again. Well, you know, these people are extraordinarily talented and skilled and adept at finding ways to cut taxes for people who don't need their taxes cut. Like they peer through thousands of pages and spend thousands of hours finding ways to give these people a break. And the rhetoric surrounding it in the culture is always somehow that the wealthiest people among us deserve this. Um, and, and what people have to keep in mind is that often these types of you know policy moves don't necessarily benefit people who maybe make a few hundred thousand dollars a year. These are benefiting people the most who make millions of dollars a year and on upward. And a lot of these people who were born into this wealth, again, it's like, well, income taxes. Who cares about income taxes? The wealthiest people in the country don't make paychecks, they own things. These people own entire neighborhoods, some of them. They own buildings, they own stocks. They're the ones who profit off of anything that happens. When the whole economy goes under, they get wealthier. And it was made this way. We can follow the money, like you said, and see when taxes were higher in a variety of circumstances. And if you know it's not possible to raise taxes on the wealthy, then why are they spending so much money to have their taxes lowered? So you know the the threshold is really upon us, and it's the dam's about to break. I think. Yeah, very much so. I mean, people really are, to quote the great and amazing Fannie Lou Hamer, sick and tired of being sick and tired. And these policy, it does not have to be this way. And that's really what I want the American people to understand. Just because it is this way today doesn't mean it has to be this way tomorrow. It is called policies. It is called choices. And too many elected leaders are making these choices on the backs and the necks of the working poor. Now look, we, we don't have no problem with wealth. Don't want everybody to be wealthy. And that means wealthy of mind, body, spirit, and soul. But for the love of God, when they skew public policy in a way that benefits to a greater degree the ultra wealthy and then hurts the people who are poor, we have a problem. Phone home, ET. We got a problem. And we yeah, you got to get a shirt to say that. Phone home, Jack. ET. Go ahead, Jack. We're going we to make that a campaign slogan. Phone <laughs> <Fall> home. <laughs> just, I mean, I just, you know, my grandmother used to say all the time, common sense just ain't common. And no. it, it's not. I mean, is, is this hard? I mean, are we being harsh? Are we being unreasonable here? 
Not at all, not at all. I mean, it would be one thing if you know much of the rest of the world didn't show us the way already, but they have. So, you know, the only people with the well, not the only people, because I was going to say the people pushing these policies forward have on the blindfold, but they don't. They know what they're doing. <laughs> they know exactly they what do. they're doing. They know exactly what they are doing. So, America, get a clue, baby, and stop letting these people play us for boo boo the fool, because that's what they're doing. We're gonna start phoning home with ET and all kinds of folks. Beam me up, Scotty, all the stuff. We cannot. This is untenable. This direction. This is the second phase of the of the Gilded Age. It is. And Dr. Robert Rice talks about this all the time. No good will come from these types of policies while you ignore millions of people in their time of need and their time of suffering. We're gonna phone somebody, Jackson. Hell, if ET can't help us, somebody will be able to do it. All right, somebody we'll gonna right take back. up the call. <laughs> We're gonna take up the call. We're coming right back after this. Don't you go anywhere. Go ahead. You phone a friend or call ET too. We're coming right back. Welcome back to the show. My absolute favorite part, reader or viewer comments. Before that though, I wanna shout out Francesca Forentini, Wednesdays at 5 p.m. That is right, Eastern Standard Time, right after Unbossed. You can catch her on Twitch for the Twitchovation Room. You don't wanna miss this, y'all know Francesca, she goes in. Francesca will break down the top stories of the week while interacting and engaging with live Twitch audience. So go ahead. Go on into the Twitchuation room, will you? Join join Francesca there. That's four o'clock. I mean, excuse me, five o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Go ahead and do that. All right, here we go. TYT members, Maximus, corporate Dems are so much more interested in political theater than political policy and action. You better go ahead and say that, Maximus. There are plenty of cinema and mansion lookalikes in the Democratic Party. Jackson, he, yeah, Maximus, you said that. That yep. is so true. Look, that was perfect. I, I, they just I, got I, on different faces. Like, have you seen a Game of Thrones? What's a, the 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 faceless, the many faced god, and the and the and they just always wearing these different faces. Come that's on, what they, that's what they are. <laughs> That's what they do. I'm gonna have yep. to underline, underscore, put this in a message <laughs> in the bottle, Maximus. You did that. Yep. And on Twitch, Melanie, we need to do general strikes and economic boycotts. I totally agree with you, Melanie. You are reminding me, um, 381 day the Montgomery bus boycott. In 1955 for 381 days. I mean, we have examples of that. Black people and allies moving the mark. When black folks said, you know what? We, we ain't gonna keep on coming through the back door of the bus. We just not gonna do it. And they boycotted for 381 days. It was supposed to be a one day bus boycott. And they did it for 381 days. How hard was that to do? In 1955, but baby, they mustered up the courage and the energy and the strength and the damn sacrifice to do it. Melanie, you got me started. Gomez, yes, Nina is on fire. You better say that again, all exclamation points. And on YouTube Super Chat, Snack Panther. Snack Panther, I love it. Nina and Axon Jackson, all exclamation points. What's going on? What's going on? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> oh man, you know what, Jackson? That's a good question. You know, Marvin Gaye, one of my favorite Marvin Gaye. Oh songs. yeah, now now you got me. I don't, now you got me thinking about all that. I'm going on because see, my 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 people, they old school. You know what I'm saying? Yes, mine too. 70s, so I grew up listening to all of that. You know, all of that. But he was <laughs> right though. I mean, that song is very apropos for this moment. It is. What's going on? You know, we can't it play is. the song. 
you know, because of licensing. But baby, listen, y'all need to go ahead and YouTube what's going on by Marvin Gaye. That just sums up. That's that's our summation for the show today, and probably it every- really is. I didn't. Need, I wasn't. Need, I just blurted it out. I wasn't even thinking that. But yeah. you, you, really, you really brought that full circle. It really is a perfect song for what's going it on. It is. Why mm-hmm. so many of you dying? You know, mother, mother, mother. Why so many of you crying? We got to find a way to bring some love in here today. What's going on, man? Okay, don't get mm-hmm. me started. Day <laughs> job, sister cannot sing. I'm gonna leave that to other <laughs> folks, but y'all need to go ahead and go ahead and Google YouTube Marvin Gaye's "What's Going On, Baby." That's the anthem for all ages. So, part three of our WTF neoliberal moment with this omnibus bill. Marijuana was left out. The omnibus bill left out a major issue. Watch this. Now to the debate over safeguarding the legal marijuana industry. Legislation to open banking services to the sector, known as the Safe Banking Act, has been left out of a $1.7 trillion government funding package. Uh, The the Democrats basically decided not to go to the mat for the Safe Banking Act. So uh, this could put it off until all the way into 2025, I think, because uh, the House, the Republicans will control the House for the next two years. Uh, and they're lukewarm on this at best. Uh, the best shot for getting the Safe Banking Act passed was uh, with Democrats in control of Congress. The Dems decided not to go to the mat on this. That's what the brother just said. The Dems decided not to go to the mat on this. That's what the man just said. So advocates are now making their voices heard because of the lack of the Safe Banking Act. We got a problem, put up this headline. Marijuana advocates industry deeply disappointed after reforms left out of spending bill. Democrats failure and GOP's recalcitrance. I'm just throwing in my own words. And the GOP's continued resistance to any progress is out of step with voters opinion is bad politics. And most importantly, it is bad public policy, said one critic. Critic, you're right. Jessica Common Dreams, thanks for laying this down. So Representative Ed Perlmutter, a Democrat from Colorado who helped lead the bill, explained the goal of the Safe Banking Act. Let's put this up. The Safe Banking Act seeks to harmonize federal and state law by prohibiting federal regulators from taking punitive measures against depository institutions that provide banking services to legitimate cannabis related businesses and ancillary businesses. For example, electricians, plumbers, landlords, etc. that serve them. I mean, what in the Sam Hill hell is going on? And I know some folks, I mean, you got Wanda James in the great state of Colorado, simply pure, the first black woman to own her own company to that degree. She has told me this story time and time again. They can't get banked, but yet the federal government still taxes them. I I mean, really? Federal government, you are out of step. That critic is right. Jackson, I'm gonna read one more thing. I'm gonna let you jump in here. I know you got a lot to say about this. Let's put up this next. While dozens of states now allow adults to grow, sell, and use medicinal or recreational marijuana because it remains illegal at the federal level, many cannabis companies struggle to 
assess access financial services, meaning they often operate as cash only businesses, making them targets for theft. Wanda James shared that with me. Sponsors of the Safe Banking Act aim to address this issue. You know what, Action Jackson? I'm feeling like this. I mean, this ain't Toss Tuesday, but baby, I'm tossing. It's Wednesday. <laughs> tossing the paper Wednesday. Tossing the paper Wednesday. Go ahead. Jim. I mean, whether it be the Safe Banking Act or just general uh, cannabis reform, uh, this is really an area where the Democratic Party needs to capitalize and, and, and put their face and brand themselves on because it's an issue that can unite people across the board into voting for Democrats in all kinds of elections. And I actually was covering um, New Jersey uh, cannabis sales this morning on my podcast. And it's uh, marijuana's been recreationally legal in New Jersey for all of eight months. And it's already made like $283 million projection uh, into year sales. And again, it just happened, so these stores are popping up. Projected to be over a billion dollars in revenue in five years. Colorado's well over a billion dollars in revenue. We know what's going on with California. And the thing is, is that um, this is one way to lessen the need to raise taxes in other areas, the, which is one of the biggest reasons why we need to push for national legalization. And in uh, an area where if wealthy people really want to protect their taxes, then they should be really, really for the legalization of cannabis. Because if we can be collecting billions of dollars in tax money uh, off of legal cannabis and other substances, then we got that much more money. So all around, this is an area where the Democrats really need to capitalize and it's a shame that they let this just go under, you know, under the rug so quietly. Once again, and then if we couple that with the inherent wrong that has been done to black communities and brown communities and poor communities when it comes to sentencing and also, you know, the crime bill, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, you think that Democrats would be up, up and away, leaping to really try to correct this both on the legal side in terms of sentencing and also on the economic side. These two things go, go together. I, I just can't understand these Democrats. Furthermore, although the upper chamber could schedule a vote on the Safe Banking Act as a standalone bill before the GOP seizes the House, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, an advocate of broader cannabis reform so far has not Done. So let me just pause right there. How much of an advocate can he be? He is the majority leader. Put that back up, y'all. He is the majority leader, but he has refused as if his hands are tied. How much of an advocate can the man be? So far has not done so and did not even directly address the exclusion of the legislation in his remarks about the nearly $1.7 trillion package on Tuesday. You're not serious. Leader, Schumer, you're not serious. Y'all playing game and the American people need to know it. So we have the executive director of the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws, Eric, was not light with his opinion of Democratic failure failures on this. Let's just go on and break down what he had to say. Democrats have promised action on cannabis consistently for the last two years, let yet leadership consistently failed to prioritize and advance marijuana reform legislation, including legislation to provide clarity to banks and to provide grant funding for state level expungement efforts, despite having several opportunities to do so. Let that stay right there, put it back up, let that marinate. 
We dressing this up for you because the executive director Jackson, he broke that down. He said, you know what? We done with playing games with these people. Let's just call it what it is. Let's just call it out. They failed to do so after making promise after promise after promise. Promises not kept, Jackson. They're a bunch of liars. Yeah, and and after all these years, and it's not just the two years, but again, all the other chances that Democrats have had in, in previous administrations to move this down the uh, the road even further, because again, this is a very easy issue to take up. Um, it's not like it's 1970 and we're in the heat of all the chaos of we should ban this and ban this and set up all these laws. This is old news, um, and and also something that uh, younger conservatives are on board with too. You know, the pe- younger people don't care about marijuana being illegal. Yeah. Uh, you know, so it's it's really just unfortunate to see the Democrats lose in in areas where they don't need to. Don't need to. They out of touch. And your point about tax dollars. I mean, the revenue that could be used for housing or education. I mean, there's a whole plethora of items on the list of need fix that this money could be used for. The same banking act is needed as just part of the vital steps towards marijuana reform in this country. Let's put up this map to highlight those still left behind in our prison industrial complex due to marijuana not being legalized on the federal level. So many people are being hurt, they really are. And we should not forget that this goes hand in hand. The Safe Banking Act goes hand in hand with larger reforms on cannabis, taking decriminalizing it, you know, taking it off of schedule one with heroin. Just go ahead and take it off, decriminalizing it and legalizing it. It is a forever reminder that the vast majority of Americans, we know the vast majority of Americans in this country support legalizing marijuana. Just one in 10 US adults say marijuana should not be legal at all. Just one in 10 adults say that. So 59% for medical and recreational use and 30% for medical use at all. Only one in 10 US adults say marijuana should not be legal at all, just one in 10. So why aren't y'all listening to the majority on this? I don't understand why not. It's something wrong. I mean, really, just something wrong. Jackson, we're gonna we're gonna keep up with this. So glad that you did something about this on your podcast. I know that you're gonna stay on top of this. And so 100%, glad that you are. absolutely, definitely, absolutely. All right, hell, hell's Fargo. Another year, another Wells Fargo scandal. Watch this. This morning, another scandal is rocking Wells Fargo. The bank has been ordered to pay $3.7 billion to settle a number of violations, including charging illegal fees and interest on auto loans and mortgages, and incorrectly taking overdraft fees. In a statement, the CEO says the bank identified a series of unacceptable practices that we have been working systematically to change. It seems that they are not only too big to fail, they're also too big to jail. Yeah, Representative, you said that these fools are thieves. None of us could get away with that. We'd be in jail right now. They need to lock these people up. And of course, this is just history repeating itself when it comes to Wells Fargo or Hales Fargo. Though at this point, you know, they really are Hales Fargo. I want you to take a look at this. 
In 2020, the bank paid $3 billion after employees opened millions of phony accounts without the customer's knowledge in order to meet sales goals. As the employees falsified records, investigators say the bank collected millions in fees, reportedly targeting minorities who speak little English, along with college students and seniors. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, what does it take to shut them down? Really? They are thieves. They have defrauded. They've committed all types of crimes, but yet they still get to tiptoe through the damn tulips. Let's see what my stunt double had to say. She came up with some receipts on this. Wells Fargo penalties over the years. In 2022, 3.7 billion for consumer abuses. In 2020, 3 billion for fraud. In 2018, 2018, 2 billion for toxic security abuses. In 2012, 5.3 billion for mortgage abuses. It sounds like these fines are viewed by Wells Fargo, AKA Hells Fargo, as a cost of doing business. They don't care. They, they basically saying, fine us American uh, uh, federal government. That's all right, because we will make more than that. And we will keep messing over the American people because you continue to let us trial up through the tulips on a regular basis, even though we are ripping people off, even, even though we are liars, we are fraud, they need to go to jail. My stunt double is absolutely right. This is nothing more than the cost of doing business for Wells Fargo. And Consumer Financial Protection Bureau director was quoted on Wells Fargo's thievery as saying this. Put simply, Wells Fargo is a corporate recidivist that puts one out of three Americans at risk of potential harm. Hello, somebody. And the somebodies we saying hello to today is the federal government. Do something and stop playing games. They complicit, Jackson. Let's put this up and then we're coming right to you. Furthermore, Wells Fargo, and it's not alone, has made billions in overdraft fees alone. Just check out this graph. These banks. These financial institutions are getting ultra wealthy over these bank draft fees, putting these fees on poor people. Because damn it, if they had the money, they wouldn't be overdraft. Duh. Common sense just ain't common. Jackson, I, I'm telling you, I, I, it's fire extinguisher time for me. I was trying not to pull it out, but I'm feeling like I need it. <laughs> well, we, we all need it, but, but we all need the fire rather. Well, but, but look, it's it's just it's just crazy because that list that you read goes back ten years, and that's like what thirteen billion dollars worth of fines, maybe a little bit more. And yep. then the CEO, he's like, you know, we're working really hard to to fix our arc. Like, what are you talking about? The fish rots from the head down, and for ten plus years of just fraud and corruption being built into the business practice, like y'all do this on purpose, and you get away with it, so you continue to do it. And they got so much money that it really doesn't matter. But it always cracks me up when guys are in this situation, whether it be people from Wells Fargo or some other bank or Sam Bankman-Fried of FTX or whoever it is. It's like at first they're like super geniuses who are on another level, another plane of of existence that we us normal people just can't comprehend. But then when the castle comes crashing down, it's like, oh, I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know what the hell was going on in my company. I mean, I'm the like your signature is all over everything. You're the owner of this company and you're you literally organized the operation, but now all of a sudden you're an idiot and you're stupid. So it's just so funny to watch this happen. You know, it's like we're trying so hard to fix things. Like, what do you mean? Like, no, you're not. 
No, you're not. <laughs> no, but they're not. Is. And the feds can help them fix it. Really, if they wanted to, but they, they don't to. want to. They don't yeah. want to. The federal government is complicit as well. I'm having a a mama moment too. You know, my mama <laughs> would always say to her, "But where you act out is where I'm going to check you, and check you hard." And this is calling for a mama moment, particularly a black mama moment. Where you act <laughs> up is where I'm going to check you. And these fools need to be checked. They need to be put out of business, ran out of town. And you, I mean, Jackson, the CEO, he was so cool, calm, and collected about it. You know why? Because he knows nothing is going to happen. Yeah. Nothing's going to happen to him. But meanwhile, no. the hoods where people are misunderstood, you make one wrong move, you in jail. But Wells Fargo can rip off millions of people and nothing happens to them. They'll be hobnobbing with them. They probably celebrating Christmas with them, Jackson, and New Year's. See, that's yeah. the problem. Yeah, because it's, 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 easy, it's easy to go after people who don't have any resources. You know, if you go after these wealthy people, you're going to have to actually fight, and they don't want to do that. They don't want to do that at all, not at all. And even with the pandemic decline, Wells Fargo made between six and eight billion dollars in overdraft fees alone in 2021. <laughs> Y'all hear me? I mean, some of the wealthiest people in the world made so much money while so many people suffered. Do you understand why Jackson and I are like livid about this? Why our hair is on fire over this? Why we not playing games with this? This is a sin and a shame. And Congress needs to be ashamed. This president needs to be ashamed. Well, Fargo actually have no shame because they know they just gonna get a slap on the wrist and they'll be back doing business as usual. And that is ripping off people. Compliments of the federal damn government. We'll be right back. I really do need the fire extinguisher. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to the show. I'm sure you can still see the steam. I am steamed. But here we go. This will make put me in a good mood. TYT members, we starting with them first. Prince Electro. Hey, Prince. I love Nina's passion. It's amazing with some hearts. Thank you, baby. I appreciate you. On Twitch, Overseer Dixon. Nina, I love your passion and your fire. Don't ever lose it. Great to have Jackson as co-host with his chill demeanor. I know, right? We compliment each other. Cause Jackson, oh, yeah, yeah. You, you slice and dice too, Jackson, but you just <laughs> do it. You do it smooth. You know? Oh yeah, oh yeah, we de definitely coming. a good combo, definitely a good combo. We are definitely a good combo. You are two sides of a coin <laughs> and, and completing each other perfectly for the perfect show. Oh, thank you, Overseer Dixon, so glad you're back with us. And I agree, Jackson and I complement each other very well. And Low Rocco, that Wagon logo Wales Fargo has is looking more like a getaway ride for their crops. Low Rocco, you right about that. I shouldn't even be laughing, but that was funny. You are right. That is a getaway for their crimes. We need to halt them. And on YouTube Super Chat, Donald Nina is feeling it, exclamation point. That's why she is a leader. Thank you, Donald. Thanks to each and every one of you, all of our viewers. For those of you who took the time to send us in comments, we couldn't get to them all, but we, we definitely appreciate you. Thank you for all that you do, boo. It is because of you that Unbossed is here and the TYT Network 
So please phone a friend or a friend of me, baby. Don't 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 keep all this to yourself. Subscribe. Have other folks subscribe. Tell them they don't want to miss this. They don't want to miss Unbossed. Oh, I sigh deeply. Devastating news out of Afghanistan today. Taliban ban Afghan women from university education. The news came in a letter issued by the the Ministry of Higher Education to all government and private universities. The letter stated, you all are informed to implement the mentioned order of suspending education of females until further notice. This reporting is coming from the Guardian. Lectures across Afghanistan are devastated or lecturers across Afghanistan are devastated because of this news. A lecturer who spoke under a fake name from fear of retaliation stated, and that fear is very real as we know. My female students are distraught and don't know how to console them. And I don't know how to console them. One of them moved to Cabal from a remote providence overcoming so many hardships because she got into a prestigious university here. All her hopes and dreams were crushed today. Uh, this is very sad, very, very sad. Uh, I lost many years of my education last time they were in power. And the day the Taliban took over Cabal, I knew, or I knew that they would ban the girls from university. They would complain to me about how they were mistreated in the classroom and in society. It was a hellish experience. But at least they had the silver lining that would that would graduate soon, or they would graduate soon and realize their potential. It's all now gone. Jackson, this is incredibly sad. It doesn't come to a surprise. I think many of us were hoping beyond hope, but we are not surprised. It definitely is, you know, for all of those women to have all of a sudden had the rug pulled out from underneath them. Uh, and one of the things that I really connect is what were we doing over there for all those years? What did we change? You know, what 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 change is brought about from us interfering in 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 all of these countries all over the world in general, for people to just slip right back into power and do what they did before we got there? And um, you know, commentary um, uh, from you know uh, the White House about whatever sanctions or is going to be done. Meanwhile, we're still fully in business with countries like Saudi Arabia. Yeah. So there's so many issues surrounding uh, this topic uh, that really are pre- prevalent in all of the fundamentalist uh, nations, uh, and many of which we're allies with. So this is definitely tragic, but it goes even beyond Afghanistan. It's something that we see with many of our allies. Yeah, we do. And the hypocrisy, you know, that that is what is so chilling about this because we'll lift and pretend with one country, as you just named Saudi Arabia for one, and then try to condemn the Taliban. You know, it doesn't work. I mean, you got to be for justice, no matter who it's for, or who it's against, not selectively so. And this is what our country and many other countries do unfortunately. So since the takeover in August, things have not been great. Women are banned from most public spaces and must travel with a male relative. Most Afghan teenage girls have already been banned from secondary education, severely limiting university intake. The response from around the world echoed a similar tone of concern. Let's put this up, Dr. Ramez. 
Oh, saying that his organization is deeply concerned about the reported decision announced today to suspend university education for women. Education is a fundamental human right. A door closed to women's education is a door closed to the future of Afghanistan. True that. And for the International Rescue Committee, put it this way, the closure of universities to women and girls is a chilling step backwards for Afghanistan. There are no two ways about it. Women must be allowed to work and to move freely, and girls must be allowed to continue to go to school. Amen on that. This is really sad all around. And again, we are not terribly surprised. We were holding out for hope. Here we are. We want to lift up the Afghanistan women of that country and the people, Afghan women and the people who do support them. We know that this is going to be a long slug towards justice. But keep on pushing. A tentative agreement, we got some good news coming off all of this heavy news. Tentative agreement in UC grad student strike. The UC grad students reach a tentative agreement. Yes, baby, yes. UC graduate students, academic workers reach tentative pact ratification vote underway. And this is coming from Maryland, writing for People's World. After many months of bargaining, and five weeks on picket lines at University of California campuses throughout the state. Academic student employee and student researchers bargaining teams announced December 16th that they have reached a tentative agreement with the university. Ratification votes will take place through December the 23rd. Maryland goes on, the country's largest ever strike in higher education began on November the 14th as some 48,000 graduate students Student academic workers launched picket lines in all 10 UC campuses around the state. Among their demands, wages in line with the cost of living, support for workers with children, sustainable transit incentives, equity for international scholars. Oh My God, this is such a big deal. Let's put up a sampling of that agreement, UAW. 2865 and SRU tentative agreement. As you can see on December 16th, the academic students and employee researchers bargaining teams have voted to tentatively agree, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. This is a beautiful thing. And the agreement definitely covers a wide array of quality of life provisions, including but not limited to. Let's list some of those provisions. Higher wages, child care, dependent health care, paid leave and time off, free remit uh, uh, free remission. Immigration, job security, workload, access needs, and there's so much more, but this is just the beginning. And so worker mobilization continues to spread as we can see. This is excellent news as Americans, as we know, support of unions is the highest that it has been since 1965. Jackson, your thoughts on this good news? I think this is excellent and this is the type of momentum and the type of wins that the left and progressives and anybody who wants to see the working class be made whole. This is the type of wins that we need to see because it reminds us that organizing works and that sometimes we take losses, but those losses make us better. It teaches us how to reorganize and take better approaches and ultimately if we stay in the fight, we can win. So I think this is a beautiful example of that truth and to never give up and to keep on fighting and it ain't like we 
got anything better to do anyway. You know what I'm saying? So uh, especially when we're you know about to have a lame duck session in the federal government. Uh, again, we need wins like this to remind us that there's politics happening uh, in many other places than just uh, the Senate and Congress and the president's office. So this is great news. This is really great news and never give up, never give in and never give out. You are right. So excited and so happy for the student graduate workers there. And yeah, Jackson is right. Let this encourage all workers who are pushing for greater wages, benefits and work conditions at their workplace. Keep on fighting. Well, for the backbone today, not exactly what I had planned to do. I scrapped what I was planning to do today in light of this news. Let's put up what Laura tweeted breaking US announces 1.85 billion in new aid for Ukraine through PDA plus 850 million under USAI includes first ever transfer to Ukraine of the Patriot missile defense system and joint direct attack munitions guidance kits. And I'm gonna tell you yesterday we covered stories about how some of America's veterans are asking for peace and they're asking for peace, especially using this time of the year where we are supposed to celebrate with family and friends and reflect on our lives and then move into new beginnings. They were asking and are asking the United States government to do a new thing and that is to employ diplomacy. Hell, even former Secretary of State Howard or Kissinger, Henry Kissinger, was asking for diplomacy. And that is usually not his deal. So you got folks from different beliefs or ideologies asking for this country to lead in diplomacy. And this is the breaking news that we get. It is absolutely stunning. So, two people I want to bring into our space spiritually who had something to say about war. Let's start with Sun Tzu. There is no instance of a nation benefiting from prolonged war. In other words, forever wars never work. They maim, they hurt, they kill, and they destroy. No instance of a nation benefiting from prolonged war. That's Sun Tzu. And the next Spirit I want to bring in or, or voice I want to bring in is H.G. Wells. If we don't end war, war will end us. And so there are some bottom lines here that this country should be utilizing our immense hegemonic position at this moment. We came to the rescue of the people in Ukraine as well we should have in this moment. Can we Couple that with a pathway towards diplomacy. You have veterans saying we know the cost of war and this right here is not gonna have a good ending. You have innocent people both in Russia and also in Ukraine who have died. People who are living, living through extraordinarily harsh circumstances because of war and all we can do in this country is throw more damn money at it. It makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. We just gave, or this Congress just gave, in our name, 
The President of the United States, 45 billion more dollars than what was asked for in that Pentagon budget, putting it at 858 billion dollars. How much money, how much is needed to kill, steal, and destroy? Meanwhile, domestically, people are homeless, people are hungry. People can't afford their energy bills. Inflation is ravaging this nation. Meanwhile, right here at home, we're not taking care of the people who need it the most. For every damn dollar that we're spending on war, we need to spend two or three of them on domestic need. This is unacceptable to do this without addressing the needs of people right here at home. And Jackson, you know, we're running out of time, but I want you to be able to jump in here. And I am not saying that we should not have come to the rescue of our sisters and brothers and family and friends in Ukraine. I'm not saying that at all. But damn it, at some point, we gotta take care of home. Charity starts at home and then spreads abroad. And at some point, somebody has to be the first one to move to ending the fighting. Um, you know, you can't continuously just uh, support, um, you know, increased escalation. But I really like that quote, if we don't end war, war will end us because that's very true. And unfortunately, it seems to be one of the constants of the human experience. But I think one that we can overcome if we really try. We can and we will keep pushing. There are so many wonderful organizations that are pushing for peace and God bless the veterans or all veterans. Especially these veterans who are standing up saying this did them work. This, this this math ain't math, you know, to quote uh, Andrew Yang. I love that saying. <laughs> oh, let me just say this. Thank you all so much for joining us today. We really do appreciate you here on Unboss and the TYT Network. Please be conscious of the things that are happening both in this country and also internationally. These things will impact us today and future generations tomorrow. So we must continue to be aware. You know what I want you to do about this time? Is what I want you to do every single time. I do indeed want you to keep the faith. More importantly, I want you to keep the fight. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Unbossed. If you like the show, then you'll enjoy our other podcasts on TYT Network, like The Damage Report with John Idarola, Indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ritchie, and The Young Turks. Make sure to listen and follow, and if you like what you hear, Give us a five-star rating.